Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not on the High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to Adobe, who've helped bring this podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. This week, I get to do one of my most favourite things, and that's return to the past episodes of this series and recount my most memorable moments and share with you some of my reflections from these conversations. The hardest and most tragic events imaginable have been shared by our guests in this series. But what's defined their journey hasn't been their loss but how when life plays you the most devastating hand, not only is it truly possible to rise again, but the flames of re-entry will ignite and impact others more than you can ever imagine. So I kick off this episode with the formidable Edith Agar, one of the last Holocaust survivors on our planet. Despite the utterly cruel, inconceivable trauma and tragedy that she's been through, she has one of the most positive outlooks on life of anyone that I've ever met. Edith has not let her past define her and has inspirationally used her experience at Auschwitz to recognise the power of living in the present. She stopped looking for approval from others and utterly refuses to be a victim. She's today at 94, living a happy and rich life. I mean, what an incredible lady. Here's just one of many clips from her story. Her whole conversation leaves me completely speechless every time I recall it. Edith is a role model for love and for forgiveness and also to all women who need to find strength. I don't live in Auschwitz. I go through the valley of the shadow of death. I I think it's good to look at life sometimes that you're going from from a tunnel uh, to the light. Yeah. Keep moving. And this tunnel of light that you have is full of now happiness and acceptance. No one could possibly deserve more than you. And today you have a legacy of a wonderful family with children and grandchildren who all adore you and who you adore. Looking back now at your life, are you able to say that you think you've healed? Uh, I am in a process. I'm climbing a mountain and I never stop climbing. I want to get to know you I want to try some food I never did before. I uh, I like the idea of, of a stretch rather than a shrink. I want you to also do that with your beautiful mind. And knowing that there's one thing we cannot ever change, and that's the past. 
Hmm. You might as well find a place for it and know that whatever happened, you made it. So the question is not why me, but what now? <laughs> Get rid of the why, change it to a what. Why is in a past? What is in a present? And where do you go from here? And that's in a solution orientation. I know that you want to be like me at 94. I hope you are going to have that, your goal. I will. And see, see whether you reach for anything and you ask yourself, is this empowering me or depleting me? Is this good for me? Your self-talk changes your whole body chemistry. That has been proven. What an incredible and captivating lady Edith is. Her wisdom is just so awe-inspiring, much like my next guest. Very often when we're in our day-to-day, living our life, worrying about our children's milestones like Harry's A-level results or his first festival, or who's going to look after Chewy on our weekend away, the humdrum of the must-dos can take over. It's easy to allow the admin of life to suffocate us, to sit back in the driving seat and sort of shift into this cruise control of all of this noise. And yet, As Mo Gowda so clearly reminds us, every day, every moment, we each have a choice. We can let life pass us by or we can be active participants, not only in the world around us, but with our own minds and thoughts. This series has been a consistent reminder of the impact one human can make on the world, hasn't it? I mean, imagine if each of us strive to make the impact that Mo has and is still making. His mission is to make one billion people happy, simple and pure. But much like Edith, this was an idea ignited by totally tragic circumstances, the sudden loss of his son, Ali. This set Mo on a new path, a quest for happiness, to find a formula for us all to follow in order to draw on happiness no matter what. My conversation with Mo was one of the most profound of my life, and I don't know if I'll ever be so lucky enough to meet another soul who shifts my way of thinking as much as Mo did in the hour we spent together. We covered everything from his own journey, rising through the ranks of Google, building an extravagant life which lacked depth despite having all the so-called markers of success on paper. We discussed AI and its role in the future. Basically, Mo was completely mind-blowing. And if you haven't listened to this episode, you should stop me right now, press pause, put on Mo, and come back to me in an hour. But if you are staying with me, here's the brilliant Mo sharing his formula of happiness. The truth is very simple. If you look at the happiness equation, it's events minus expectations. You can tell yourself if unhappiness is the result of events only, you can tell yourself unhappiness is imposed on me, right? But if it's events minus expectations, number one, you have control over your expectations. You can set realistic, not dreamy expectations, Mm -hmm. okay? Number two, you have control over the events. You can change the events sometimes, most of the time, as a matter of fact. And you also have control over your perception of the event. Okay, because most of the time, the way you look at the events is not actually the way the events happen. Your partner can say something harsh on on Friday. In your mind, the event is he or she doesn't love me anymore. 
that's actually not true, okay? The truth is your partner said something harsh. That's the truth, okay? Now, now your perception of it misses your expectations, but saying something harsh for any other reason, maybe you uh, hurt him or her, or maybe he or she had a, a tough day at work, that doesn't miss your expectations if you took the event for what it is. Okay. So if you look at it this way, you start to tell yourself, okay, by the way, I can change events by impacting on life. I can change my perception of events by actually digging deeper. And I can change my expectations by actually being realistic. And if you do this 99% of the time, life will meet your expectations. You know what? Life has always behaved the same way life has always behaved. It doesn't come to one of us and does something and, and the other does something else. When there is a traffic jam, mm. there's a traffic jam for all of us, right? Yet one of us is very upset and the other is listening to music and talking to loved ones on the phone, right? Yes. And, and, the, and the difference between them hmm, is not that there is a traffic jam. The difference between them is that one of them thinks that the traffic jam is the end of the world. Hmm? That it, that the world has decided to send a traffic jam, uh, you know, decided to make car manufacturers make more cars, put them all in the same street at the same time when they were driving through so that, that there is a traffic jam for them. While the other person says, look, I chose to live in London. It's a busy city. There is always going to be a flat traffic jam. I might as well get some good music with me and leave my home 30 minutes earlier. Okay. The event is exactly the same. It's how we choose to perceive it and behave. I don't know about you, but I was laughing during the clip because it's literally describing Frank and I. Sorry, Frank, if you're listening, but you know it's true. I often say you can't unknow what you now know. And so Mo's approach to happiness and the lens through which we can look at life is something I can't unknow. And now you can't either. I go on to ask him how to convert the Franks of the world, but I'll let you listen to the full episode to hear what he advises me. Now, I have a hunch you might be thinking, yes, Holly, he's amazing, but I'm currently sat in my car or at the kitchen table, and you must be kidding me that I'm going to build a brand that's going to impact billions of people. And maybe you're right, you might have a point, but we can all change the world in our own way. That I know to be true. We can all pick a little bit of it or a big bit of it and decide that we'll focus our energy on making it just a little bit better. Josh Littlejohn, founder of the social enterprise Social Bite, is such a great example of this. Finding something you're passionate about and then throwing your energy into it and changing that patch of the world, an industry, a systemic problem in society for the better. I'm a big believer that energy is never lost, that the energy you put out into the world will eventually come back to you. Not always immediately, but in time, you'll feel the effects of it, and maybe even tenfold. If I was more knowledgeable in science, I'd make some clever comment right now about the laws of physics. Alas, I'm just going to leave it to Josh to share his experience and make sense of it all. Social Bite, Social Bite Village are all based in Scotland, but you've taken your mission global and have inspired the rest of the world because in 2019, you organised the world's big sleep out taking place in 50 towns and cities throughout the world, including New York, London, 
LA, New Delhi, Hong Kong, just to name a few. And some of the world's biggest actors and musicians joined 60,000 others sleeping out under the stars. And I remember this, right? So Will Smith read a bedtime story to those in Manhattan, whilst Helen Mirren did the same for those in London. And it was this massive global event. So going back to your event skills there, tell me about this. And was it quite stressful to almost do like a live aid for homelessness sleep out type thing? Yeah, that, I'd say that was that's an understatement, really. It was very stressful. And I sometimes think back what possessed me to come up with that particular idea. We, we'd staged a series of sleep outs in Scotland. It started in 2016 and, and we did it in a little square and there was 270 people and we focused on chief executives. So we called it the CEO sleep out and there was 270 people. I remember them. And they raised about half a million pounds. And I thought, wow, this is a brilliant fundraising idea. And then in 2017, we decided to try and make it mass participation. So we called it Sleep in the Park. And... We invited people from all walks of life to sleep out and we had 8,000 people sleep out in Prince's Street Gardens and we had staged a big concert with Liam Gallagher headlined it and stuff. And then after after the concert, 8,000 people slept out and it turned out as fate would have it that night. It was the coldest night of the whole year in Scotland. Temperatures dropped to minus seven degrees and those 4,000 people, they all had an individual fundraising page and they collectively raised four million pounds. Um, which was pretty, was you know, totally staggering. Really, even now looking back on it, I think it was amazing. And then in 2018, we grew it to four Scottish cities, and it was uh, in, in a big success again. So we'd had all this success organising this big mass participation event, and for, for some reason, I felt that we could create our own live aid kind of moment for the homelessness issue and really go for it and take a big risk and try and stage it on a global basis. And because we'd had quite a lot of just success year on year of these things, I was getting very used to lulled into a false sense of security, really, that, you know, you would state a vision and you would work really hard and it would become true. And it would, <laughs> What did you say? Yeah, you wrestle yeah, your vision into reality. You were there. Lots of wrestling was it, it going was. on, Josh. And I, you know, but I basically spent the whole year travelling, going around, trying to get all these different events lined up. And then we had to try and encourage people you know, create a marketing plan locally with local charities to encourage people to sleep out. And it was the first time really, or certainly the most significant time where my vision of what was going to happen and the reality started to diverge quite a lot in the sort of process. And I thought, oh my God, uh, is this going to work? Are we going to be able to pull this off? Are we going to run out of money? Is it, you know, will this translate out with Scotland? Are people going to raise money? So there was so many highs and low moments in the the year that it took to to organize that whole campaign but yeah i was super relieved and thrilled in the end that it, it managed to all happen in 52 cities 60,000 people slept out one of the spe- really amazing things for me was that we managed to persuade new york to give us Times Square for this sleep out. And that literally started with me sat in my flat and I cold called New York City Parks Department. And the <laughs> the guy the guy on the phone, the guy on the phone told me on that call, he said, no, that'll be impossible. I said, you know, we would like to do the sleep out and we've done it in Edinburgh. And he goes, no, it'll be impossible to do that in New York. He said, there's a time curfew for events in New York. So you have to uh, finish your event by 11 p.m. The, the city never liked to set precedents. Um, and so he said, you'll just need to try another city. So that was how it started. And then I ended up going out there for a few days and thought, well, I might just go and meet a few people and see what happens. And I met lots of very random 
specs of people. There's this network called the Global Scots Network. So I set up different meetings with random people with a Scottish heritage in New York. And I pitched them the idea and I was showing them all this video of the Edinburgh event. And then I met this one guy and he said, oh, I can't really help you, but I've got a friend called Bruce. Um, he said, maybe Bruce could help you. And he didn't really elaborate who Bruce was, but he phoned Bruce and he set me up a meeting with this guy the next day. And I was literally in New York for, I think, three days to frantically have these meetings. And I went and met this guy, Bruce, and I showed him this video and pitched him the idea. Uh, and this guy basically turned out to be the former chief of staff to Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And he was like, Josh, this is great. He was a really kind of aggressive New Yorker. And he basically phoned up someone in City Hall and set me up a meeting the following day. So then I went into City Hall, <laughs> did the pitch, showed them the video. And then they started to say, you know, this is on day three. They said, yeah, this would be very difficult to do in New York. But I don't know, maybe a venue that could work might be maybe Times Square. <laughs> And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I kind of went through the process, met with the NYPD and blah, blah, blah. And we ended up literally closing down all four plazas of Times Square for a night for a thousand people to sleep out uh, sleep out in. And that was, um, again, just in this whole thing of having a vision and believing you can manifest it, that for me was such an amazing like crystallization that there's no real limits to that. And the the whole campaign didn't really go exactly. We massively fell short of our fundraising targets and the whole thing was very stressful. But, you know, I'm proud that it, it did show that you can achieve something that, you know, might on the face would be very unrealistic. Gosh. Did you sleep for about 10 weeks afterwards? Yeah, and I went out and slept in Times Square as well. So I was there with my fiance at the time and we were um, just lying and looking at all the, the bright lights and thinking, wow, this is it's bonkers. What Josh has achieved from having a big dream and a burning desire to do good is so heartwarming. He really is right. There are no limits to what you can achieve when you wrestle a vision into reality. I've never heard anything like it. I believe from my very core that with enough persistence and belief that you can achieve your biggest dreams, quite literally, I know that anything can be done. So please remember what might seem completely unachievable or an absolute light year away is much closer to you and your grasp than you think. You just need to believe but believe hard. Perseverance and determination certainly describe my next guest. But what denotes his rise from intern to CMO of one of the world's greatest brands, Nike, was in fact his creativity. I consider him to be one of the world's leading authorities of brand, and I frigging love brand. As CMO of Nike, I also now can confirm it's definitely Nike, not Nike. He was the creative genius behind some of the most iconic ad campaigns of our time. His belief in the role brands of the future have to play in shaping society were profound, and ultimately, they centered around two things. The first, having a vision for your brand that goes way beyond the product or the service and recognizes a universal truth your customer can relate to. And the second is the art in getting that message across. Because you have the biggest of vision, drive all your energy into it. But if you don't bring people on the journey and inspire a collective, you'll always struggle to overcome the hurdles. Here's the incredible part. I was a, a huge uh, devotee, if you will, for Michael Jordan, 
who was the greatest athlete on the planet at that time, right? And some would argue the greatest athlete of all time. But that's a debate for another day. (laughs) So there's this iconic, famous poster called the Wings poster. And I had this poster hanging in my college apartment. And it's a poster of Michael Jordan with his arms spread out. And in one hand, he's holding the palm. And under this incredible black and white image, this still image, is a William Blake quote. And the quote says, no bird can soar too high if he soars with his own wings. So imagine every day I'm coming home and I'm looking at this poster of Michael Jordan. Now, here's the deal, and this is the kicker. I had no idea a year later I would be, one, working at Nike, and two, working for the gentleman that designed the poster. My gosh. Right? And so... And the reason I bring this poster up, because I think it's important for the listeners, is up until that time, Michael Jordan had only been imaged in action, on the court, doing Mm -hmm. gravity-defying dunks and all these things. And here's this brand that said, actually, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to create this beautiful black and white still image, almost like art. And then we're going to use this powerful quote underneath it. Mm. And that was, to be honest, at the time, very radical, but it also shows the commitment to the details and the craft of storytelling. Holly, I go back to this over and over again. The brands that rise above everyone else are the brands that go way beyond simple observations and assumptions. They go beyond the conventional ways uh, that everyone else um, sees the world and does things. And so that poster really represents, you know, not only Nike's commitment to creativity and craftsmanship, but going beyond observations Mm. and digging deep to find like the deeper truths in your subject or in, in life and revealing those in artistic and profound ways. And you have to, again, emotion by design is committing to the craft of doing that right? You know, it's not a trade-off with the business. It's an amplifier of the business. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but for me, what Greg shared in this episode was genius. An entire life's worth of experience and insights all in an hour. It's the real deal, folks. It's everything I aspired to pull off. No bird can soar too high if he flies with his own wings. Hearing that quote resonated with me so much that I've actually commissioned a small business to create something with that exact quote, except changing his to her to hang in my office. As you know, I'm passionate about celebrating small businesses and championing creativity within all of us. That's why I'm thrilled to be working with Adobe Express, who each week are handing over their ad break to a small business founder, shining a light on their own businesses and sharing how Adobe Express really is helping fuel their creativity. Hello, I'm Nicola. I run a design business as well as a little gift and coffee shop in South Manchester. I got the chance to try out Adobe Express and got super excited when I realized I could create really cute animations using both my graphics as well as a selection of really nice little royalty-free stock illustrations already within the app. 
I could also work with many templates already preloaded on the app. So when it comes to learning new tech, my time and patience is pretty lacking. So I was relieved to find the system works super easy. I was able to drag and drop stuff to create a really fun animation in under 10 minutes, export it to my phone and upload it to Instagram. So I've relaunched my Nicola Rowland's greeting card subscription service with an updated branding. So this was the perfect opportunity to create a little graphic and animation to advertise this service. As a thank you, I'd like to offer listeners a little 10% discount to the subscription by entering HNCO10 at checkout on nicolarowlands.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Lots of love. Thank you once more to Adobe who have helped to make this podcast episode happen. If you want to find out more about Adobe Express and how it can help your business, head over to adobe.com slash go slash Holly Tucker. Now let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. Perhaps a more unlikely source of marketing advice this series was the farmer Tim Mead. I don't know if you remember the Yo Valley Singing Farmers advert. If you don't, please go and Google it and watch it. And even if you do, it's so worth going back as it's blinking brilliant. His explanation and approach to marketing was beautifully simple because sometimes I think we can hear the word marketing and feel, I don't know, as if it's a dark art. But as Tim tells us, to make your mark on the world, you have to share something remarkable that requires bravery and gut instinct. In 2011, you took a pretty big gamble um, that I have to say mm, potentially seriously paid off. And I'd love to ask you about this. When you made a two minute advert for Yo Valley, um, it's been called the best ad of all time. And I remember it airing on, I think it was. Or was it the X Factor or something like that? Correct. And and yeah, and I went back and I watched it on YouTube, and it is every bit as brilliant as I remember it. So we've just been talking about saving the planet, and then in 2011 we've got farmers rapping on an advert that I think was about a minute long. Must have cost you a fortune. What went into that decision, and did it pay off? I think traditionally farmers have been very bad at selling their products so coming from a long line of farmers and i actually remember when i first joined the the dairy business thinking well i'm a farmer and it's all quite nice in the west country and then actually getting your bag of products and taking them into a supermarket and say here how much are you going to give me for me for me yogurts for a farmer that i found that quite you know, it was it was a mental battle that I had to get over that actually, so now I'm addicted to selling. I think selling is the most important thing in any business. And you've got to be proud about selling things. You've got to be proud about wanting to sell things. And you've got to get a massive high when you actually close a deal. That's, you know, businesses, you know, you sell things and you make them or whatever it is. Yeah. So farmers traditionally have not been brilliant at putting themselves forward and selling their products. I think I've overcome that because I'm sort of love that whole process of closing a deal and persuading somebody to do something and all that sort of stuff and trying to get it at the right price. So if we're not great at selling, I think marketing is just another discipline, you know, it's almost a step too far. And I guess 
the way we've now sort of bottomed it down, having, I mean, I think there's about 2 million books on marketing in the world and <laughs> about 1 million have got this opinion and then the other million have got a million other opinions on, on what to do. So as simple West Country folk, it's like we need to start and maintain conversations with our customers, okay, and we've got to tell stories to them and show them the type of people that we are. So, for instance, I think the real value flows through our brand. But to do that, we invite 50,000 people to come to the valley, to go to the organic garden or to come to the festival in August, you know, overlooking Chew Valley Lake for 10,000 people. If you want to be a real business, you've got to tell the story and invite people to come and see what you do. So with the advert that we made, because of budgets, et cetera, et cetera, the risk was is you make something that is very remarkable and then people will remark about it. If you make something that's very bland and people don't talk about it, because all you're wanting to do is become a bigger share of voice, become a, you know, you know, so somebody's going to talk about one of the eight yogurt brands in the UK, you want them to be talking about your brand. And therefore, if you've got loads of money, you can just blitz the world and the media space and get people talking about you and getting that recognition that you require. Or if you can't afford to do that, you've got to do something that is so remarkable that it creates the conversation. And and how we managed to do that, there was lots of very, very good people involved, BBH, the agency in London, you know, the the, the marketing team at Yo Valley. And yeah, it was it was fun. It, it, it was amazing, but it was a big bet right? Wasn't it? it? It cost you a lot of money. Did you know it was like, we're going all in? Or did you feel confident about it? Did you know that you needed to make... <laughs> I'm taking you back to 2011, but may- maybe you weren't as confident as maybe I'm, I'm thinking you were. It's very difficult to find marketing advisors or executives or whatever that will fill you with total confidence um, that that is going to work or, or not. But at the end of the day, You've got to try, haven't you? I mean, I hope I haven't come across as a pessimist with all the sort of doom no, and gloom and the, the food stuff. Fascinating. But we're total optimists. Um, and all I can say to Neil, our new marketing director, is that there's no pressure if the previous advert that we put out was voted best advert ever. <laughs> I just want to see how he does this autumn when we sort of possibly return with sort of mainstream advertising to remind consumers that we're here, we've got some great values and that we actually want you to buy more of our products. Because, well, there were 16 million viewers on that X Factor when it it came out. Uh, You had 2 million views on YouTube. The soundtrack reached ninth spot in the UK's music charts and was downloaded 30,000 times. So Neil has got a little bit, I mean, it was a rocket launching moment because I know the brand saw a 15% year on year sales uplift. And that is quite unbelievable. And I suppose it's a lesson for us all that we've got to go on our gut instinct. You know, as you said, I love what you said, very remarkable. You have to be very remarkable so that they remark. And sometimes I think that we can always sort of be in the queue, not step forward, not actually go to the depths of our brands and bring that forward. And that's certainly a message that I've got coming through from you. I don't envy Neil in marketing's job, but what a brilliantly refreshing man Tim is. 
As we reach the end of this episode, I wanted to return to one of my most anticipated guests of the series, Charlotte Tilbury, a brand name so many of us know and love, and yet it's rare for Charlotte to give an interview, so it was a real honour that she shared her story with me. You can imagine how long it took me to do my makeup. What struck me with Charlotte was how clear she saw her business, her brand, and her trade. You can imagine her sketching the packaging, knowing the exact shades of her first lipstick. The business was basically an extension of her. With that, add the drive and that relentless vision, and you've got a world-famous brand on your hands. She joins me in beating the drum, encouraging everyone to follow their dreams and build a life that they love. For young women today who are perhaps held back, we need their full potential. When we think about sort of what you're talking about, you sat there at school and you were bringing out, you know, these wonderful girls around you, but almost empowering them. Yeah. Along your journey, you must have been empowering a lot of people. What's some advice that you might have to that younger woman listening? I would say to them, do what you love in life and do what makes you feel great. And whatever that is, do it. Mm. When someone does what they love, they excel at it. Yes. Because they love it, no matter what it is. For me, it was doing makeup. For me, it was like bringing out that magic. Because, I, I, you know, I love it when people look in the mirror and go, oh my God, I never my eye, look, my eye, knew my eyes could look that green or big or my cheekbones on my skin. or Yeah. You know, because we are pictorial and we do judge ourselves. In fact, I think the harshest thing is that we judge ourselves. It's the way we speak to ourselves, let alone what mm. other people's judgment towards ourselves. But... It's actually the way we speak. If we feel great and we look in the mirror and we feel fantastic and we do a job that we love, yes, whatever that may be, whether it's gardening, whether it's cleaning, whether it's kind of taking over the world, whether yeah. it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> creating an empire, who cares? Yeah. Just do what makes you feel happy. If it's lying on a beach, then lie on a beach. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's about what makes you happy and how you feel. And that's what life is about. And no judgment towards others or to yourself. I love that, Charlotte. And I also love what you said. You can have a dream, but you've got to believe the dream and then you've got to do the dream. If you only believe 50% of the dream, then you're only going to get 50% of that dream back. But if you believe 100%, you're going to get 100% of it back. And yep. I just love that because yeah, I, I too really believe in visualization. I Creative I visualization. My, yeah, yeah I put myself in the in future. I sometimes yeah. have to remind myself what blinking year it is. Lead from the future. Yeah, you know, and, and you're just almost like, I'm actually there. I'm I'm sitting in it, yeah. I'm smelling it, I'm believing yeah. it. Is this what you did in terms of, I just want to ask, like when you thought about your brand, did you know that this was going to happen to you? Do you know, I did. I really did. Because as you say, I'm a great believer in creative visualisation and I really believe in my dreams. And I think, as I was saying, like leave from the future, where you kind of bring the future into now and the more you kind of I've got a whole theory of like conceive believe receive and the more you believe the more you shall receive because most people have a dream but they get stuck on the dream they don't dare to believe in the dream and then the the dream becomes the reality and so my whole motto is dare to dream it dare to believe it dare to do it Charlotte's so right when speaking about dreaming big. I suppose it can be such a cliche, can't it? So much so, in fact, that I think one hears dream big and it can just wash over you. 
But if you take a moment to really think about it, of course, this is right. Your success by its very nature can only be as big as your dreams. And I think so many of us limit them. We cut them down to size into what we think is achievable or realistic or worse still, manageable. So after this podcast, I'd love you to write down a bigger dream than you have today. Or if you want to go one step further, better still, smash it out the park and think of the pinnacle of your vision. If you've not done this, by the way, it's really exciting, potentially life-changing. And who knows, this could now be your new North Star. Each week, as you know, I hand over the end of each episode to my guest and wait eagerly to hear their letter to their younger self. I couldn't help myself this week, so I picked two. Often these always have us in tears, don't they? But these two letters in particular had me smiling from ear to ear. Beautifully written, heartfelt, and an insight into these two brilliant minds and lives. I leave you with Mandy, founder of Hush, and her mother's hilarious words of wisdom, and Jack Guinness, founder of the Queer Bible, writer, model, and someone with the most glorious sense of humor and spirit imaginable. His words were just so well considered and thoughtful, I couldn't finish this episode with anyone else. Sending you all my love and a huge virtual hug to you all. Dear Mandy, okay, first of all, that perm and the blue eyeshadow, just no. Not then, not now, not ever. And a few other pointers. You might want to pay a bit more attention in French. I know Paris seems like a long way away for a young girl growing up in Melbourne, but something more than parlez-vous anglaise might come in useful if you fall in love with a pom and find yourself living in Europe. If you want to have smart kids, have sex with smart people. Even if they do get your brain, at least they'll have someone to help with their homework. Marry your best mate. If you fancy your best mate, even better. And finally, when you're driving a car into a petrol station and can't remember what side the petrol cap is, you really don't need to get out of the car to have a look. There's a little arrow on the petrol gauge to tell you. Who knew? And I don't think you should have to wait until you're 53 to discover this. So this letter is supposed to be full of good advice from the me of today to the me of 30 odd years ago. I could pre-warn you of all the things that didn't pan out the way you hoped. But where's the fun in that? Making mistakes is part of life, not always the most enjoyable part, although I can promise some will be great fun, but definitely the most valuable. So live life your way, make your mistakes, learn your lessons and move on. No, the only lessons I can give you are the ones you're probably working out already. Life doesn't just happen. You need to get out there and make it happen. Say yes, have a crack. All the best things happen when you say yes. I've lived half my life now away from my home, my mum and my dad and my sister. I love them and I miss them every day. But I know that saying yes to that one year posting in Hong Kong almost 30 years ago absolutely changed my life. I wouldn't have met my husband if I had taken the easy option and stayed in Melbourne. I wouldn't have had my two beautiful kids if I hadn't left Hong Kong and moved to London. I wouldn't have started Hush if I'd stuck to my original plan and gone home. And I would have missed out on so many of the amazing friends and incredible experiences I've had over the years. As I say, life gets better when you say yes. Be kind, be humble. You had a great start in life. You'll need a lot of luck along the way, 
and you won't get anywhere without the help of lots of people far smarter than you. You don't need to feel guilty about that, but you should recognise it and be grateful. Don't be a dick. It isn't a bad motto. No one likes a dick and life's no fun without mates to share it with. Don't obsess over the destination. Just make sure that you enjoy the journey. Anyone who gets to make their hobby their job, or better still, build a business from it, is incredibly lucky. But whatever you do, try to get the most out of it. Sure, it's great to achieve your goal, but the goalposts are always changing. It's the game and your teammates you remember, not the score. And that's about it. Don't learn to cook. Veggie mash or eggs on toast does the job. As my mum, your mum, used to say, it doesn't pay to show yourself too capable at anything. You'll get stuck with it. I promise you, I followed her advice to the letter. If you do have to cook, apparently TSP is teaspoon, not tablespoon. Not a good one to get wrong when you're adding chilli to a recipe. But that's probably not a bad place to finish. Add chilli. Life's better with a bit of added spice. I'm loath to write you a letter because I'm almost 100% sure you won't bother reading it. You are a complete nightmare. Or rather, you're going through hell. A traumatic childhood of bullying leading to anxiety, to crippling depression, taking time off school, living in isolation, and ultimately giving up hope. I don't know what is keeping you going. Is it a rod of steel down your back? Doesn't sound likely or like me. Or do you sense a glimmer of hope just out of reach? Is that why you're keeping going? Is something sparkling in the corner of your eye? Oh dear, what is sparkling in the corner of your eye? You've come to believe that you're worthless, doomed, and you are overbrimming with shame and self-loathing. You're clinging onto a fantasy future which feels like the complete opposite of what you're experiencing now. Whilst you sit in grey, you're dreaming of gold. You're alone, but you're pining for friends. You're anonymous, fantasizing about being famous, and for a while, you'll get to experience this world you're dreaming of. And no wonder so many people, especially LGBTQ plus people, foster these fantasies. In a world that tells you you're nothing, we want to be everything. When we feel like nothing inside, we look for external signifiers to tell the world and ourselves we have meaning. We all do this. What do our clothes or our car or our job or our perfect family signify to the rest of the world? What are we covering up? I dreamt of beautiful people, of glamorous parties, of sitting close to the warm glow of fame. But little Jack, sweet little man, you'll come to realise that all that glitters is not gold. It's a cliche for a reason, my dear boy. Fame's flame is like a fickle flickering outdoor pub heater, kicking off a bright red light, but an inconsistent heat that only so many people can huddle around at once. Basically, everything you're dreaming of now, and I understand why you're dreaming of it. It's an escape. It's a dream. It's a fantasy. But it's not real. Glimmer and shimmer is a trick of the light. But you will move through this into a place of meaning and solidity and clarity Your career will take you through endless no's and slammed doors, but you'll carry on. Maybe you do have a rod of steel down your back. You'll drive forward. Just make sure your head isn't turned for too long by the unreal and know that soon and through lots of therapy, you'll learn to see and then accept and then even love yourself. And then you will turn to do the real work. You'll mend bonds with your biological family. You'll be accepted by your LGBTQ plus community, your new chosen family, and you'll step aside to tell their stories through the Queer Bible Project.
You put them front and center and trust me, you'll much prefer raising up others than focusing on yourself. So hold on. And even though it will feel so, so tempting, don't give up. Meaning and love and joy are all within your grasp. A life of connectedness where you are you in relation to other people as part of a community. A family is coming and you won't be alone in the dark anymore. Before you go, don't forget to head to adobe.com slash go slash Holly Tucker to find out how Adobe Express can fuel creativity in your business. And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co. 